Weird Obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and we're listening to Blood Kiss by Karen Chebin. This psychological suspense novel blends romance with creepy thrills to keep you glued to your seat. One reviewer says, This story is full of twists and turns, mystery, drama, suspense, and romance. So put your earbuds in and let's see if sparks fly between Alicia and Mike. 7. Pacey continued to glance at the clock on his dashboard as he drove towards home. Was there enough time? He'd done the grocery shopping, so that was one task completed. But he needed his Alicia fix, especially after seeing her with that brute. He gripped the steering wheel tightly and debated what he should do. Nausea had overwhelmed him after watching the dumb oaf grip her tiny hips with his meaty hands and crush his mouth to hers. He hadn't been able to get that image out of his head. Pacey fought back the bile that threatened to rise in his throat. He needed to check on her, make sure she was alone and safe in her house. If he moved quickly, he could see her one last time tonight. He did a U-turn at the light and headed towards her house. He'd already clocked the time it took to get to her place from several points in the city. As long as he didn't hit traffic, he'd get a chance to look in on her. He rolled his car to a stop several houses down from hers. He was in luck. There were a few parked cars on the street. His car would easily blend in. He grabbed a box of Tic Tacs and wandered down the sidewalk that ran the length of her yard. First time he followed her home, he couldn't believe how lucky he was. She lived on a corner house that backed up to a tree protection area and bordered the sidewalk. The tiny wooded area between the houses provided a fantastic location for his observations. He could ensure she was safe from the cover of the trees. He crouched and scooted along the wooded area until he came to his favorite spot. The first night he watched over her, he'd found a large bush. He'd broken a couple of the branches and formed the bush into the perfect viewing spot. He could nestle himself between the branches and disappear. Many nights he'd chuckled silently to himself as neighbors passed by on the sidewalk. People talked about bizarre things when they thought they were alone. One night he got a special treat when two teens invaded his area and literally had sex a few feet away from him. Not once did they notice him. He'd watched the whole thing with delight. He figured anyone who had sex in public wasn't concerned with privacy. So he didn't feel bad about relishing their intimacy. If they wanted privacy, then they shouldn't have sex outside for the world to see. But tonight, he wasn't interested in anyone's shameless talk or sex play. Tonight, he was focused solely on Alicia. He needed to get the image of that oaf kissing her out of his head and replace it with her sweet image smiling for him alone. The first floor of her house was lit up. Pacey could tell she was watching television from the way the light flickered around the blinds in the room. He figured Forrest was cuddled up beside her. He'd have to do something about the dog. He didn't relish that idea. He was fond of animals and knew that she would be disappointed if she lost Forrest. But a man had to do what a man had to do. He wouldn't let the dog get in the way of their love. Pacey slipped his hand into his coat pocket and pulled out the box of Tic Tacs. He flipped the lid and shook a few into his hand. As he stared at her window, he brought his hand up to his mouth and slowly stuck his tongue into his palm where the Tic Tacs lay. As he tongued a Tic Tac, it stuck to the moisture on his tongue and he drew it into his mouth. 
He rolled the tiny mint across the top of his mouth with his tongue, and then crushed it between his teeth. He repeated the process until his palm was empty. He glanced at his watch. He was running out of time. She didn't seem to be moving around much. He needed to take action. He hid among the privacy hedge that separated her property from the neighbors and made his way towards her patio. Every once in a while, he heard Forrest bark, but it was nothing. The dog didn't sense him. She was probably playing with him. She'd tossed that tiny tennis ball, and he always returned it to her. Pacey imagined that it would be fun to play with her and the dog. After a few rounds, that ball would be soaked with dog spit. He wasn't sure he would like that. The only moisture he wanted on his hands was hers. Just that thought caused his blood to pump faster. He needed to see her. He quickly ran from the hedge and climbed over the fence. Then he raced to the back of the house. He pressed his body against the bricks and skittered to the window. There was a tiny space between the window and the blinds. He could just make out her feet resting on the coffee table. He willed her to move, desiring even a glance of her features. But as he waited, he couldn't get the image of the dumb oaf out of his head. He closed his eyes and tried desperately to imagine her face. But the only vision that came to him was of the brute's hands and mouth on her. Did she enjoy it? Did she want to have sex with him? Rage overtook him. He'd been patient, waiting for the right time to declare his love for her. But the grains of hope that sustained his love for her were slowly slipping through the hourglass. The emotion that filled the void was desperation. He pressed his fingers into his temples and breathed deeply, trying to calm the storm that raged within him. He had to get a look at her. So he decided to do one last thing. Eight. Mike tossed his cash onto the table and stood. I'm heading out, he grunted. We'll miss your smiling face, Cole said sarcastically. But really, if you need help, just call. The others nodded in agreement. Mike knew they meant it. They'd all been through dark times and came out stronger on the other side. They'd be there for him, just like he'd always been there for them. Thanks. Mike said, his eyes sweeping the bar. Julia was taking orders from a group of guys at a table on the other side of the room. He headed towards the door and caught her eye. He gave her a head nod, and she smiled in return. He needed to get over his need for control. He couldn't protect everyone. Maybe Cole would be good for her. Mike slid onto the driver's seat of his truck and pulled out his phone. He tapped on the screen and it came to life. He pulled up Alicia's address in the Maps app. As the location came into view on the screen, he recognized the streets surrounding the area. It wasn't far from where he lived. He started his truck and pulled onto the street. He decided to go home first. He needed to get changed. He walked into his condo and turned off the alarm. The beeping stopped, and he marched straight to his bedroom. He pulled his shirt off and undid the belt on his jeans. Unzipping the fly, he let them fall to the floor. He stepped out of the jeans and pulled open a drawer on his dresser. He found his tight-fitting black pants and shirt and put them on. Then he grabbed his black ski mask. He needed to blend into the darkness. He pulled onto Alicia's street and parked several houses down from hers. He looked around. 
Everything was quiet, except the taillights of a car turning off the street. It was late. Most of the houses were dark. He got out of the truck and tucked the ski mask into the back of his pants. He carefully closed the truck door, hoping not to attract attention. He crossed the street and casually walked down the sidewalk, taking in the neighborhood. The houses seemed spacious with nice yards. These were family homes, and not your starter family homes either. Since she was a single teacher, he hadn't expected her to live in such a nice area. He strolled past her house. It was an attractive two-story brick home that sat on a corner lot. A light was on upstairs, but the first floor was dark. Bushes lined the front of the house, and he saw something he didn't like. Beside the garage door was a large cypress tree. He shook his head at how easy it would be for someone to hide behind the tree and sneak into the garage as she drove in. That tree would have to go. He came to a large hedge of bushes that divided her land from her neighbors. He hid among the bushes, slipped the black ski mask over his head, and followed the bushes to the backyard. He knew this was another hiding spot, and his gaze swept the ground for clues. Her backyard had a large, fenced-in section. He was glad the dog wasn't outside. It should be inside with her, keeping her safe. But between her house and the one behind hers was a large, wooded section. Pine trees and various shrubs provided good cover for nighttime peeping. Mike crouched low as he slowly made his way through the wooded section between the houses. His gut felt heavy as he saw all the wonderful places to hide in her backyard. This place was a peeping Tom's wet dream. The bushes and trees that lined the yard for privacy were beautiful but they also lent themselves to shelter for predators. This stretch of trees even led to a sidewalk on the other side of her house. Mike cursed. He couldn't do anything about the protected tree area. Kneeling behind a bush, he looked up at her house and saw her silhouette walk past a window. Her shadowy form was barely perceptible, but a stalker could fill in the blanks in his mind's eye and be in paradise. His blood rushed at the thought of some pervert sitting back here and staring at her. Let's see what you left behind. Mike scanned the ground and noticed a shrub with broken branches. There you are. Mike scooted towards the shrub and touched a broken branch. A few other branches were damaged and it was obvious that a spot had been cleared out. The leaves were also crumpled and crushed in that location. The hidey hole was just big enough for a man to hide in. He studied the ground, looking for a footprint or anything that would tell him about the stalker. Something white lay atop the leaves and dirt. He picked up the white oval shape and sniffed it. Peppermint. He chuckled and shook his head. The pervert left behind a tic-tac. Was chomping on those a nervous habit? Or did the man suffer from halitosis? Either way, it was a good piece of information to have. Then his stomach turned as he touched the damp earth. It had poured the previous night, yet this tic-tac was in good shape. The man had recently been in this exact spot. He'd just missed him. Was he still around? Mike scanned the area. He didn't see any movement as he studied the branches and bushes along the perimeter of Alicia's house. He moved slowly through the bushes again, his hand tracing over the ground. Then he saw it. 
a shoe print in the moist soil. He couldn't help but smile as he laid a quarter beside the print and snapped a picture of it with his cell. He'd guessed the shoe was a size nine, and the busy tread looked like it came from a running shoe. He'd send the picture to Tyson and see what he could find. He looked up at the dark window where he'd last seen Alicia's silhouette. He struggled with the notion of guarding her all night, or going home and coming back in the morning. If the man had already been there and left, he most likely wouldn't be coming back. Unless he left to get something. Mike didn't want to leave her defenseless, so he decided to hang out. He found a good spot, a tree that was encircled by bushes. He slipped his legs under the bushes and leaned against the tree, huddling in for a long night. At three in the morning, he decided the man wasn't returning. He crept silently through the bushes and slipped unnoticed onto the sidewalk. Nine. Alicia stretched as she rolled over in bed to check the time. It was after nine, but she still felt tired. The situation with her stalker kept her from sleeping well. Each night she awoke at any sound, afraid that he'd gotten into her house. That meant the little sleep she did get wasn't great. She had a lot to do before Mike arrived. She needed to grab a quick breakfast, exercise, and shower before he got there. She sprung out of bed and put on her exercise clothes. She went to the alarm pad in her bedroom and turned off the alarm. Forrest was on her heels as she jogged down the steps. Don't make Mommy trip, she warned as he brushed past her legs. She loved that bundle of energy. She was glad her nieces hadn't begged for Forrest. She wasn't sure she could deny them the little dog if they truly wanted him. But she felt like he belonged with her. He kept her from being alone in the house. Once on the first floor, Forrest barked and ran to the patio door. She looked out the window and noticed the broken flower pot and soil scattered on the stone pavers. She rolled her eyes and decided that she'd clean it up later. When she opened the patio door, Forrest bounded out in search of the perfect spot to do his business. Alicia shut the door and went to the kitchen to get a bowl of cereal. She kept a variety in her cupboards. They ranged from sugary sweet to the health nut cereals. It was obvious what mood she was in when she went shopping by what she purchased. If she was in one of her health kick stages, she stocked up on the healthy high-fiber cereals. When she was stressed or hungry, she bought all the yummy, sweet cereals that were targeted at kids. Today, she figured she'd get a big lunch with Mike, so she chose a healthy cereal. She never ate healthy when she went out. As she ate the cereal, Forrest scratched at the door. She got out of the chair and carried her bowl over to the door as she shoved another bite into her mouth. She opened the door and Forrest skittered past her. She stared across the patio at the mound of soil and shook her head. She still needed to deal with the gun, too. At least there was a mess to show Mike. Perhaps he wouldn't think that she'd overreacted. She emptied the milk from her cereal bowl into the sink and put the bowl in the dishwasher. It was almost full. She'd have to run it soon. Grabbing a hairband off the counter, she strolled into the study. This room had been her dad's office. His achievements still hung on the walls, but the room was now her exercise space. When she bought the elliptical machine, she decided to turn the office into her workout room. She figured having it on the first floor was easier than lugging the heavy piece of equipment up the stairs and into one of the extra bedrooms. 
Her father would roll his eyes at the current state of his office. He had always been meticulous. Nothing was ever out of place. But now this room was one of her favorite spots in the house. Whenever she worked out in here, she felt closer to her dad. It was like she was sharing the space with him. She didn't believe in ghosts, but her memories stayed fresh and alive inside the walls of this house. When she'd switched the room over from office to workout space, she moved his computer and put in a television. She indulged and bought a screen larger than she needed for this space, but she was happy that she did. She also put in a good stereo system. She had no trouble hearing the show over the consistent whir of the elliptical. She turned on the television and went to Netflix. She started the next episode of her favorite thriller show. She lost herself in the monotonous routine of the back-and-forth movement of the elliptical. It was easy to keep up her pace as the creepy show sucked her in. When the show was over, she wiped the sweat from her forehead with the bottom of her shirt and turned off the television. Then she walked into the kitchen and got a glass of ice-cold water. She chugged it and topped it off again before heading upstairs. She had just enough time to get ready before Mike showed up. 10. Mike sat up in bed and rubbed his hand over his face. Stubble scratched his palm. A shave was in his future, and he definitely needed to grab a coffee before he headed to Alicia's. He was used to going on little sleep, but last night had been rougher than usual. After watching over her through most of the night, what little sleep he did get once he returned home was awful. He couldn't turn his brain off. Scenarios filtered through his mind and disturbed him. He didn't want a repeat of events that the last stalker who invaded his life had committed. He jumped in the shower and scrubbed himself down. Not only did he want to protect Alicia today and help her out with her gun, he was hoping he'd have the opportunity to kiss her again. Maybe that was part of the reason he couldn't sleep last night. He couldn't get the feel of her body pressed against his out of his mind. She tasted so sweet when they kissed, like chocolate and sugar. Mike stepped out of the shower and wrapped a towel around his waist. He rubbed his hand through his hair, shaking off the excess water. Then he walked into his bedroom and headed straight for the dresser. He grabbed his jeans from one drawer and pulled out a t-shirt from another drawer. He kept his wardrobe simple. He was a jeans and t-shirt guy, but he did own a few nice suits that he used occasionally for work. He went back into the bathroom and squirted the shaving cream into his palm. He rubbed the menthol-scented foam over his face. Wetting his razor, he removed the scruff that had grown overnight. By evening, he'd be stubbly again, but perhaps she'd let him rub his smooth face against her before he'd become too scratchy. When he finished shaving, he rinsed his razor and set it aside to dry. He studied his face in the mirror. He used to be good-looking, but now tiny scars marred his face and arms. Most of the time he didn't think about them. They were just a part of him. He had accepted that. But sometimes, when he met a new woman, she'd stare or ask him about the scars. He didn't mind too much, but he did appreciate how Alicia didn't stare. He'd felt her apprehension towards him at first, but as the night progressed, she'd relaxed. She hadn't pushed him for details either when she asked about his work. He liked that, too. She was a smart woman. He slapped on some aftershave and went into the kitchen to grab his coffee. He looked at his cell. 
willing her to reach out to him. He grabbed a piece of whole wheat bread and popped it into the toaster. That should hold him over until they got lunch. He leaned against the counter and sipped the strong coffee from his travel mug as he waited for the toaster to pop. He'd sent the picture of the shoe print to Tyson after he'd nestled himself into his hiding spot. Hopefully Tyson would determine the shoe size and give a better estimate to height and weight of the stalker. The toast popped up, and he quickly buttered it. He scarfed it down as he headed out the door. Mike pulled up to the curb beside her house. He looked at the neighborhood, noting all the different places to hide. He considered that the stalker could be a neighbor who had easy access to her house and would be able to spy without garnering too much attention. Mike really didn't know. Without much to go on, he wanted to keep his options open. As far as he was concerned, the stalker could be anyone. Stalkers didn't wear signs to warn others of their danger, but there was generally something off about them. Chuck chirped as he locked it and headed towards her front door. Once he rang the bell, a yipping and barking greeted him from the other side of the door. He smiled, suspicious about what kind of dog made that high-pitched sound. Alicia opened the door and smiled at him. She looked radiant. Her hair was still damp and pulled high into a ponytail. Her eyes were bright and she seemed relaxed, considering the circumstances. Hello, she said holding the dog in her arms. Come in. She stood to the side, making room for Mike to enter the house. He stepped into the front hall. To the left was a living room with a sofa and lounging chair. A baby grand piano was nestled into one of the corners. To the right was a dining room with a table for eight, along with a buffet and hutch filled with nice dishes and knickknacks. She shut the door behind him. I'm so glad that you're here, she said pushing aside her nerves and focusing on Mike. When she'd awoken, her thoughts went directly to him. She'd enjoyed her time with him yesterday, and she hoped that today would be even better. Mike chuckled, eyeing Forrest. I thought you said you had a dog, he teased. I've seen scarier rats. She smiled and her face lit up. He loved her smile. He loved her attitude. Rats are disease carriers, she stated with a raised eyebrow. Forrest has had his shots. He's clean. She reached down and set the dog on the floor. Forrest went to Mike and scratched at his legs and barked. Mike chuckled at the dog's attention. If that was the dog protecting her master, then Alicia was worse off than he thought. When he'd first heard that she had a dog, he was relieved. But now that he saw the dog, he couldn't imagine that there was a coward alive who would be scared of a Yorkshire Terrier especially one with a red bow propped on top of its head. He guessed the dog weighed about five pounds. So this is Forrest, he said, reaching down and picking her up. He's very cute. The dog's paw scratched at the skin on his arms, and she snarled out a warning. She's a he, Alicia corrected. Mike tilted his head and exhaled loudly. You're killing me, he said. He raised the dog higher in the air and examined Forrest's underside. Sure enough, there were boy parts. Why does he have a red bow in his hair? Mike asked with a smile. Alicia laughed. Because he's cute that way. She scratched Forrest's head and cooed. Good boy. You're a cute boy. Forrest yipped as he relished her scratches from up high in Mike's arms. 
You studied Mike. His strong arms crossed over his chest, the tiny scars marring his face and arms. It was clear that Mike was not the kind of man to wear a bow or anything associated with femininity. Well, not all males can be big and burly like you. She patted his bicep and noted how his muscle twitched under her touch. Some just do the best with what they've got. Huh, you think I'm big and burly? He stated with a smirk, hoping that she liked big and burly. She just smiled over her shoulder at him as she headed towards the kitchen. He wanted to laugh at him. He had to know he was big and burly. Can I get you something to drink? Water would be nice. Although Mike glanced at the house as he followed her, he preferred watching her ass in her yoga pants. Everything about the house was nice. The furniture, the pictures, the wainscoting and crown molding. This was not the house of a single schoolteacher in her 20s. This place is beautiful, Mike said. It's not quite what I expected. She turned and gave him a look. What did you expect? She asked, her eyes lighting up. You said you were a teacher. I guess I thought you'd have a condo or a small starter house. Do you live with your parents or do you have a roommate? She hadn't mentioned them, so he doubted it. The house had a two-car garage, but he hadn't noticed any extra cars in the driveway last night. Alicia had expected this. Anyone who didn't know her story was always surprised by her house. Honestly, she would have wondered the same thing. No, I don't live with my parents, he said softly. Mike saw the regret in her eyes. He suddenly wished he hadn't asked. I grew up in this house. She tried not to let the emotions overtake her. She didn't want to break down in tears. She missed her parents. She knew they would have supported her through this, but she'd been robbed of their love and support. She grabbed a glass from the shelf and went to the freezer to get some ice. It's bigger than what I need, obviously, but I couldn't let it go. She turned the handle on the tap and filled the glass. My parents died seven years ago. It still stung. She'd adjusted, but she still missed them. I'm sorry, Mike said, taking the glass from her. He'd lost too many friends and loved ones, but he was thankful that he still had his parents. Alicia led him to the sofa in the family room that was off the kitchen. He sat at one end, resting her feet on the coffee table. She cradled her head in her hand as she rested her elbow on the armrest. He sat on the middle cushion, his leg brushing against hers. He wasn't going to put any extra space between them. He noted the family picture that hung over the fireplace. She looked so young. He'd place her in her teens. She followed his eyes and looked at the picture. Her lips curved into a smile. That was taken a few years before they died. I was a senior in high school. My brother John was in college. It's nice, Mike said. He never knew what to say to people. There really wasn't anything right to say. Everyone handled death differently, and he didn't want to offend her. You mentioned your brother yesterday. Are you two still close? She smiled and nodded. Yes, I see him and his family at least once a month. His daughters are five and seven. She picked up her soda from the coffee table. They're adorable. They go to the school I work at. I'm lucky that I get to see them in the halls. That's nice. Mike moved his hand to his thigh and let his arm casually rest against her legs. Nothing intrusive. He wanted to touch her, see how she'd respond, but the timing wasn't right. Can I ask how your parents died? Sometimes getting the hard stuff out of the way helped. 
Alicia studied the soda can. She squeezed it and felt the give of the thin aluminum. They were coming home from dinner. They were hit by a drunk driver. She took a swig of soda. She looked into Mike's eyes and saw compassion. His exterior was tough, but she saw the kindness of his heart shine through his expression. I'm told they didn't suffer. He hit them head on, going about 50. He's paralyzed. She scoffed. At least he can't hurt anyone ever again. She gave Mike a weak smile. There was no happy ending to that tragedy. People stayed dead forever. Mike ran his fingertips down her leg in an effort to comfort her. Her thigh twitched under his touch. I'm glad I can be here for you. You don't have to go through this alone. Thanks. When he touched her leg, excitement spurred her blood to pulse faster. She tried not to focus on the pleasure. They left the house to my brother and me. I wasn't ready to sell. John understood that. He already has a nice house, so we didn't need this one. I used some of my inheritance to buy him out. All of this is mine. She looked around the room. I'd trade it in an instant to have them back, but we both know that's not how it works. Mike understood that better than most. He'd buried too many friends and seen how death tore the family apart long after the burial. He carried too many scars left from his self-flagellation caused by the guilt he carried for his part in their deaths. Cognitively, he knew that he wasn't responsible, but he couldn't get the voices out of his head that blamed him for not preventing their deaths. She didn't want their talk to take them down a depressing path, so she changed the subject. I almost called you last night. Mike looked into her eyes. I wish you had, he replied, continuing to stroke her leg through her yoga pants. He would have loved to be lounging on her sofa instead of parking his ass in the damp little forest behind her house. She smiled and her pulse raced a little more as his fingers continued their gentle caress. She hadn't been touched by a man in so long. Too long. Her body was hypersensitive to his touch. It was probably a good thing she hadn't asked him over the night before. She wasn't sure she'd want to kick him out the door, and she wasn't ready for an overnight guest. I feel really stupid now. She shook her head in embarrassment. But last night, she paused and rolled her eyes. I got scared. Something fell outside and made this crashing sound. It freaked me out. I got the gun and racked the slide. When I realized that there was no problem, I wasn't sure what I should do. I couldn't remember I couldn't remember how to clear the bullet, so I just left it in the chamber. Mike didn't like hearing this. The man had been there. He'd seen the evidence, the tic-tac and shoe print. He'd been close enough for her to know something was off. Mike debated telling her so that she wouldn't feel like she'd overreacted, but that would be admitting that he had been there, too. He didn't want to go there. She'd probably think it was creepy that he was traipsing around her backyard without her permission. Mike stood and looked around the room until he noticed the gun on the kitchen counter. I keep around in the chamber, but I have a lot more experience than you. I'm glad you didn't try to clear it yourself if you didn't remember how to do it. That'll be the first thing we do today. He walked to the kitchen. I brought it down here this morning. Alicia walked to the counter and picked up the gun. He took the gun from her and ejected the magazine. You have to take the magazine out or you'll end up with another bullet in the chamber. He pulled back the slide. There's your bullet. He turned the gun over and the bullet fell onto the countertop. 
Never point the gun at yourself to check the barrel of a gun to see if it's loaded. She laughed. <laughs> Do you really think you had to tell me that? I didn't want to regret not telling you. He slammed the magazine back into place and handed her the gun. So, I haven't impressed you with my gun knowledge? Oh, you left a definite impression, he smirked. That's why I told you not to look down the barrel of a gun. His shoulders shook as he laughed. Careful, she warned. I'm holding a loaded weapon. She decided that she liked him laughing. She liked the tiny laugh lines that formed around his eyes when he smiled. She had a feeling he didn't do it enough. Now, rack the slide and remove the bullet, Mike said, watching her. Alicia gripped the slide and pushed the gun forward with her other hand and let the slide pop back in place. Then she pulled back the slide and tipped the gun so the round fell safely onto the counter. She repeated this process until the magazine was empty. Good, do it again. I just did it like 15 times, Alicia groaned, and pointed to the bullets that lay scattered on the counter. Yes, and now you'll reload the magazine and do it another 15 times, he replied. This needs to become second nature to you. It was clear that this was all new to her, and he strongly believed that anyone with a weapon needed to be competent and knowledgeable concerning the weapon's use and maintenance. He was happy to help her master these skills. She gave him her best evil eye and started loading the magazine. She knew he was right. If she was going to own a gun, then she needed to be proficient with it. He watched her as she worked the bullets into the magazine. It was obvious that if her life ever depended on doing this quickly, she would be in serious trouble. He hated that she was in this position. No one should ever have to fear for their life. But that wasn't reality. In the real world, life was messy and constantly threw challenges at you. He was glad that she was facing this challenge with courage and self-determination. He smiled up at him when she finally pushed the last bullet into the magazine. She popped the magazine into place and started clearing the chamber. When she finished discharging all of the bullets from the chamber, he said, Load the magazine one more time and pop it into the grip. That way it'll be ready for you. Alicia nodded. This time it was easier to load the magazine. She was getting the hang of it, pushing down and sliding in the new bullet. There was definitely a rhythm to it. She popped the magazine into the grip and set the gun on the countertop. Not bad, she congratulated herself with a smile. That was the fastest she'd loaded the magazine yet, and she really didn't want to go through that process again. He nodded, and his mouth formed the slightest smile. That was good. You did well that time. He leaned against the counter and crossed his arms over his chest. He forced himself to stay there, against the counter, when what he wanted to do was slip his arms around her waist and pull her to him. But he needed to focus on the problem of the stalker before he worried about the pleasure side of their relationship. What scared you last night? he asked. Alicia walked over to the patio door. I heard a crash and looked out the window. She shifted the blinds so she could peek out. My flower pot fell. When I looked outside, all I saw was the neighbor's cat. They must have knocked it somehow. Hmm, Mike mumbled. His gut told him that the cat was innocent. Cats were known for their grace. Had the guy been brazen enough to sneak onto the patio? Had he tried to look through the windows? Alicia pulled open the door and stepped onto the pavers. Mike was right behind her, followed by Forrest. His tiny nails clicked against the pavers as he circled around their legs. Then, with a bark, 
he sprinted as quickly as his little legs could carry him across the grassy backyard towards a squirrel. One of the patio chairs was out of place. It screeched as Alicia scooted it to its rightful spot at the bistro table. The sound reminded her of the first noise that scared her last night. How had the chair moved? A cat couldn't move the chair. She glanced at Forrest as he barked at the base of a tree. The squirrel was safe and scampered along the tree branch, almost as if it was taunting Forrest. Alicia made her way to the pile of soil. She knelt to pick up the broken pieces of the pot, but suddenly fell backwards onto her butt. Her breath came in pants. Shock overtook her. Look! Look! she cried, pointing at the scattered soil. Her heart thundered in her chest as her mind imagined horrifying scenarios. She fought back the images to keep them from dragging her into a sea of fear. Mike rushed to her side. He knelt beside her and followed her eyes to the words. He knelt beside her and followed her eyes to the words scrawled in the soil on the pavers. Who is he? Anger flashed through Mike. The monster had seen them together last night. That meant that he probably knew she'd bought a gun. He probably watched them at the gun range, and then he'd followed her home. Mike placed his hand on Alicia's shoulder and gingerly moved her face so that she was looking at him. He hated what he saw. Fear. Terror. Hopelessness. You're okay. We can handle this, he soothed. He never should have gone to the bar last night. He should have stayed with her. Her breath came out in large bursts and puffed against his face. Her heart pulsed against her chest and echoed in her ears. She'd been foolish to think that the gun and Mike would discourage her stalker. All she'd done was make him mad. Mike couldn't be with her constantly. He had responsibilities. She had responsibilities. It was just a matter of time before her stalker would get her. What can we do? she asked, already knowing that the answer was nothing. Mike knew the situation wasn't helpless. He needed a little more time, and then he'd have more information. He decided to come clean. Alicia, please don't be mad, he said calmly. I'm only trying to help. She looked at him, her eyebrows knit together. What do you mean? Had he done this? Why? I told you that I'm in security. Sometimes I find people. Sometimes I protect people. He stroked his finger down her arm, but she pulled away and scowled. What did you do? she asked. He'd give her the space she needed. She was scared. Last night I made a cursory assessment of your house. Her breakfast was clawing its way up her esophagus. Had she added to her problems by allowing Mike into her life? Was he just as bad as her stalker? You were here? She squeaked out. He'd spied on her? You have to realize that as beautiful as your house is, it's a stalker's paradise. He looked around at the backyard and the overgrown bushes and trees in the tree protection area. Look around. A tree protection area lines your backyard from your neighbors. A massive privacy hedge runs between your house and your side neighbor. Alicia looked at the sections as he talked, realizing that he was right. A sidewalk is on the other side of your house and follows another tree protection area. 
There are opportunities to hide all around your property. Mike scrubbed his hand down his face and thought, How much should he tell her? It would probably increase her fear, but it may help her understand. We finish this inside? It's going to be a long story. Alicia stared at him, not sure what to do. She didn't want to go inside with him. He'd spied on her. What kind of man has she let into her life? One look at him, and she knew she'd lose if he tried anything. She didn't know what he wanted to do to her in the house, but she felt vulnerable out here. What if her stalker was watching her right now? He'd been on her patio last night when she was scared. Or perhaps that had been Mike. Did you do this? She pointed to the message scrawled in the soil. Mike sat next to her on the patio pavers. He scanned the trees in her backyard. He didn't see anything suspicious, but he kept his eyes alert as he talked. No, that wasn't me. He pointed to the broken pot and soil. This isn't the first time a stalker has touched my life. When you showed up yesterday, scared and needing to protect yourself, I couldn't help but get involved. He looked at her, hating the fear and mistrust in her eyes. I failed last time. I won't fail again. Alicia noted the way his jaw pulsed when he paused. She didn't like the pain she saw in his eyes. What happened? She especially didn't like hearing that he'd failed. I was overseas, stationed in Afghanistan. My family was here, living their normal lives. I called home when I could. Not that that was very often. He gave a weak smile. Talking about this with Alicia was easier than he thought. It almost felt cathartic to bear his soul to her. Sometimes I'd talk to my sister. Sometimes I'd get my parents. He repositioned himself, bending his legs and clasping his hands around his knees. They never told me what was going on, so I did nothing to help. The pit grew in her stomach. The anger and pain etched in his face told her that there was no happy ending. She just wasn't sure she was ready for the painful reality he was telling her. What's your sister's name? Amy, he said almost reverently. When I left... She was dating a guy named Rob. I met him. I didn't like him. He was controlling and condescending. Mike sneered. I told her the warning signs that I spotted, but she didn't care. She thought Rob's need for control was because he loved her so much. He scoffed and shook his head. Alicia fought back the tears building in her eyes. She'd already figured out the ending. She just waited patiently for him to get there. Did they break up? Mike breathed deeply, trying to clear the painful lump building in his throat. Bob's affection turned violent. He'd rage and scream at her if she failed or disappointed him in any way. Mike looked into Alicia's eyes. He wanted to get lost in those beautiful blue eyes. He wanted to forget everything. Forget the nightmare that haunted him. I never knew that he did that stuff. I would have done something about it. But you weren't around. You were half a world away. What could you possibly do? A gruff rumble sounded from his chest. I had friends here who could have taken care of that problem for Amy. They would have talked to Rob, help him understand that it was in his best interest to leave Amy alone. Mike shook his head and stared at the tree line. One time I called and she told me that they broke up, but she never told me that he stopped her after their breakup. He left her gifts 
followed her and confronted her, declaring his love. He was sick in the head. Only she didn't realize it until it was too late. I'm sorry, Mike. Alicia rubbed a tear out of her eye with her knuckle. After hearing his story, she knew he understood what she was going through. Now she also understood his motivation to help her. It was a deep-rooted need to right a wrong that wasn't even his fault. When they broke up, she moved in with a friend, Julia. He scoffed and shook his head. Poor Julia. She got dragged into this mess, too. Mike stopped talking and went inside his head. Telling Alicia about this dragged up the emotions that he'd successfully tamped down. He knew he needed to deal with this, the guilt and sorrow from loss. But confronting those feelings was overwhelming. He wasn't used to feeling out of control. He lived his life in nice, neat boxes. But the loss of loved ones shreds those boxes until pain litters every aspect of your life. It was obvious that this was hard for him to talk about. He radiated stress and pain. He hurt them, Alicia prodded. She wanted to hear it because she knew that deep down, he needed to say it. He needed to admit what happened and confront it. Mike nodded. Yes. Rob broke into their apartment and held them hostage. A neighbor saw him force his way into Julia's place, so she called the cops. The cops arrived, but he'd already started terrorizing Amy and Julia. Rob finally put a bullet in Amy's head, and when he turned his gun onto Julia, he fell dead at her feet. A SWAT sniper killed him. Alicia sat in shock as she listened. A seed of fear blossomed into a dangerous weed that overwhelmed her mind and shut down her thinking. Was this going to be her fate? Was she waiting for her stalker to decide to kill her? Mike saw her shut down. He knew that would happen. He wished he could stop it. Stop the fear from festering and overtaking her. He scooted closer to her his shoulder touching her arm as she faced the house and he faced the backyard. This time, it's not going to end that way. He stroked her arm. He wanted to comfort her. He wanted her to know that she wasn't alone in this. We'll get him, he said softly. She knew he was talking, but all she heard were indiscernible mumbles. Her time was limited. How could she stop someone whose identity she didn't even know? Alicia, Mike said softly. He stroked her arm, trying to break through to her. I promise that I will protect you. Even as the words left his mouth, he knew he shouldn't promise such a thing. There were no guarantees in life. All he could truly offer her was his best effort. He stroked her skin, and goosebumps pebbled her flesh. Let's go inside. I can tell you more. More? She stared into his eyes, searching for hope and honestly. Could he really keep her safe? What could he tell her that would protect her? I found some things last night. I want to talk about them. Mike stood and held his hand out to her. Alicia nodded and placed her hand in his. Easily pulled her up, and they walked into the house. Mike led her to the sofa and wedged himself in the corner. He wanted to smell her, feel her. Having her close comforted him. She was his redemption. The one he could save. She relaxed into him, 
and rested her head on his shoulder. His arms encircled her waist. She sat there, enjoying his warmth, and listened to the peaceful quiet of their breaths as the moments ticked by. She liked being with him. He'd made her feel safe last night. Now, being held by him, she felt hopeful. Perhaps everything would work out. After several minutes, when he noticed her body relaxed, Mike began. Last night, I scavenged through the woods behind your house. I figured that was probably one spot he used to watch you. Alicia stared at his hand in her lap. She slipped her fingers between his. I found a tic-tac, he continued. It's not much, but it's a start. I also found a shoe print in the mud. That will give us insight into his body build. Two pieces of information? Would they make a difference? That's a start. She leaned forward and turned to face him. He was doing his best to help her, and she appreciated that. She licked her lips and stared at a thin scar that split his lip and traveled down his chin. She pressed her fingertip to it and traced its path. Mike looked at her as she studied his face. There was no judgment or detest in her eyes, just admiration. He cradled her cheek in his palm and leaned forward. His lips brushed hers, and he traced her lips with his tongue. She relaxed into the kiss, into him. Alicia's lips parted and he slipped inside. Their tongues gently stroked each other, teasing and caressing with each touch. Her chest rose and fell as her breathing quickened. She wiggled into a better position, trying to get more comfortable. He sensed her need and pressed his hand against the back of her head and slowly eased her down onto the sofa without breaking the kiss. He supported his weight on his arms and lay gently over her. She hadn't been with a man like this in a long time. The sensations in her body swirled, desire built within her. She ran her fingers down his arm, letting her nails gently scrape against his skin and enjoying the way his muscles tensed under her touch. Mike's body instantly reacted to her touch. He grew hard and adjusted his position over her. He strengthened the kiss, pulling her lip into his mouth and gently sucking on her. She moaned, reveling in the sweet tension that he created inside her. Mike wanted to lose himself in her, rid himself of his painful memories and revel in the pleasure she could give him. As her fingers traveled up his back and into his hair, she let out a moan that called to his primal desires. When her nails lightly scraped his scalp, he felt the touch deep within his soul. He wanted to give her pleasure, take her mind off of the negativity that filled her life. She wiggled again, letting her legs fall farther apart. He nestled himself in the space between. His hand traveled down her arm and to her waist as he kissed a trail from her mouth to her ear. She moaned, letting him know that was a good spot. When he sucked her lobe into his mouth and nipped it gently, she pushed herself into him, feeling his hard length against her center. Her stomach sizzled as his fingers slid under her shirt and grazed her ribs. He nipped at her neck, gently sucking on her skin. As he pushed aside her bra and freed her nipple, he rolled the hard nub between his fingers and she pressed her hips into him wrapping her legs around him. Alicia was drowning in desire. Lust flooded her body and shut down her thinking. 
All she could focus on at that moment was him, his touch, his taste, the sweet weight of him covering her body. She slid her fingers under his shirt, and his muscles tightened as she grazed his chest. He pulled away for a moment and grabbed the hem of his shirt. If she wanted under his shirt, he was happy to comply. He pulled the shirt over his head and tossed it to the floor. He looked down at her. Her flushed face and the desire that filled her eyes heated his passion even more. She laid her hand on his bare chest and teased the dusting of hair on his pecs. The hardness and cut of his muscles surprised her. She'd never been with a man whose body was so chiseled. He stared into her eyes as his hand slowly slid up her shirt and found her nipple again. She smiled and closed her eyes as pleasure washed over her. The warmth of his breath swept over her stomach as he pressed a kiss to her flesh. His cell vibrated on the coffee table beside them. She cradled his head in her hands and smiled. You should get that, Alicia murmured, conflicted about what they were doing. She'd never gone from zero to sixty with a guy like that before. They hadn't even been on a real date yet. She had a system. Certain things happened on certain dates and at certain times. And her nipples in his hands were way too early for this stage of their relationship. Mike stayed where he was, snuggled between her legs. If he got up from this position, he knew the moment would be over. And he really didn't want the moment to be over. The phone buzzed again. He grabbed it and looked at the caller ID. It was Tyson. He had to get it. Mike accepted the call and unfolded himself from Alicia's embrace. Hey, he said, trying to cover his racing heart by sounding casual. Alicia sat up and adjusted her clothes. As good as that felt, now that her brain was receiving oxygen again, she was glad the call came when it did. She wasn't ready for a quickie on the sofa. She had a good feeling about Mike. He didn't seem like a player to her. A player would have hightailed it from her and her stalker issue. But instead, Mike was genuinely concerned for her. She could see him in her life, even when the stalker issue was taken care of. She wanted their first time to be more memorable than a quick bang on the sofa. She rubbed her hand across her forehead and grabbed her soda off the table trying not to stare at the obvious bulge in his pants or his awesome chest as she listened to his conversation. Thanks, man, Mike said. I appreciate you looking into it on the weekend. I'll check my mail. He paused, turned his back to her, and adjusted himself so that he was a little more comfortable in his jeans. Talk to you later, he said, and disconnected the call. He turned and looked at her. She was beautiful, and he'd been enjoying what they were doing. Tyson's call refocused him. She wasn't some cute girl he picked up and wanted a casual thing with. She was someone who desperately needed his help, especially if she didn't grasp how dangerous her situation was. Her safety was now his first priority, and he needed to get his head in the game. Mike picked up his shirt and pulled it over his head. Tyson narrowed down the shoe brand and has a guesstimate for the stalker's height and weight. He sent me the details in an email. He opened his mail and clicked on Tyson's email. Mike read it carefully, locking the important pieces of information into his head. The perp was most likely between 5'8 and 6'1, and between 160 and 200 pounds. He knew these numbers were guesstimates. The picture couldn't show the depth of the footprint into the mud, 
which made it harder to determine the weight applied as the perp walked. Plus, there were other factors that affect the conclusion concerning weight and height. This information, as inconclusive as it was, could help weed through some suspects. Alicia read the email. Not sure how any of that information was beneficial. The ranges between the height and weight were too broad. How is any of this helpful? she said, her voice full of frustration. Mike saw the concern on her face. It tells us that he's not unusually short or unusually tall. We can guess that he's not obese, and definitely not morbidly obese. He tapped the screen. This helps me more than you realize. So, we're looking for an average male, she stated with irritation. He gently held her chin between his fingers. Hey, it's more than we knew last night. As we add to our knowledge, the easier it will be to spot him. She slid her fingers through his hand that held her chin, wanting the security of his touch. She gave a little nod. I trust you. If you say this helps, then I believe you. We also know he likes Tic Tacs. You don't know anyone who's always chomping on them, do you? She shook her head. No. At least his breath won't stink when he tries to kill me. She joked morbidly. That's not even a little bit funny. You're right. Sorry. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 7 through 10 of Blood Kiss. On Friday, we get more insight into Pacey and his delusions. Mike discovers a box of mementos that Alicia has kept since the stalking began, and Alicia goes over some potential suspects with Mike. You can find Karen's other novels on Amazon. Many are free to read with Kindle Unlimited. You can also follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X, at Cherish Lively, to keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature. Do you want to be a part of My Secret Obsession? I'm looking for secrets and tattletales to read aloud on the podcast. Do you know any small-town secrets? Have you had a brush with danger that rocked your world? Are supernatural activities or hauntings keeping you up at night? Write your story and send it to mysecretobsessionpodcast at gmail.com.